Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Podcast lovers, how the fuck are you? Welcome to the show. Lions Lounge Lockdown is sponsored by Match Scaffolding for the entire 2020-21 season. Match Scaffolding is owned and operated by a Millwall fan and a season ticket holder of well over... Jesus, how old are you, Matt? Well over 35 years. This would be nice. Uh, So if you want a little bit of scaffolding in your life, please do not hesitate to check out Match Scaffolding's contact details in the description of this audio podcast offering. Our guest today for Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 28, is Dave... Mitchell, I remember Dave Mitchell being at Millwall, you know, around about 13 years old. Me, not him, that would have been weird. <laughs> a real child progeny, that would have made him. But all I remembered was Dave Mitchell, Australian striker, comes to Millwall. I didn't know any more than that. There is so much more to this than meets the eye. Dave had an absolutely brilliant and interesting and an illustrious career across many different continents and countries. I won't spoil it for you. I'll let him tell you in his own words. This is Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 28. Dave Mitchell. Enjoy. We're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 28, all the way from the land down under. It's Dave Mitchell. Dave, thanks for joining us. No problem. Sydney, Australia here. That's where we are. <laughs> yeah, and Sydney, yeah, how's the weather out there? But it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's very nice. It was 22 today, so it's just starting to warm up nicely. So, good. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to start out. For those who get already who may be confused, we had a dis- discussion off air. So, you joined Mill in 1993 to 1995, 60 games and 17 goals. But before we get into that, you had an absolutely brilliant and fascinating career, which we're going to go through a little bit. Uh, but winding it back to the very beginning of, of, of Dave Mitchell's existence, I watched a documentary uh, last year, a Swindon Town documentary called This uh, That's Football on Channel 4 it was back in the day. Um, yep. And obviously, when you played for me all 1993, there was no social media, there was no real video interviews. So I heard, you know, Dave Mitchell, Australian striker, signs for Millwall. When I watched this documentary a year ago, you had a, a Scottish accent and I, I, it blew my mind. <laughs> So do you want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, my, my actually, my uh, <clears throat> my mum was from Liverpool. My dad was from Glasgow, so it was a good good mix. 
Um, and I was born in Glasgow. He moved to Australia when I was six years old uh, and grew up in Australia. But uh, when I used to come home from school talking Australian, my dad would clip me over there and say, the top properly. I'd go, all right, Jimmy, how's that? You know, so, so he, um, he didn't particularly like the Australian accent too much. It was a bit broke, but, uh, you know, the Scottish can be the, the same sometimes. But anyway, so that was it. And then, obviously, I grew up there. And then when I went back and played for Glasgow Rangers, I was there for two and a half years and I got yeah. kicked back into me, really, you know, as a, as a young, you know, young, young man. Yeah. And so that's how it sort of came about. And then, obviously, I travelled all over Europe and Germany, Holland, mm. uh, and back into England. So I had a bit of an international sort of <clears throat> language and, and uh, probably voice. Uh, and my, my wife's a better half. She's actually very good at English and she, uh, she refined me. So it's uh, not as rough as it used to be. Yeah, mate, it's a very, it's a very I mean, it's, it's an interesting accent, but covered by an interesting, very interesting and exciting career. As you said, you played uh, three spells in England with Chelsea, Newcastle and Swindon Town. You was the first ever Aussie to play in the Bundesliga for Eintracht Frankfurt. Rangers, you went to China, you went to Feyenoord in Holland at one point. Uh, let's talk about some of those, some of those clubs and some of those experiences. Let's start out with Rangers. Obviously, big connections with Millwall. Yeah, with uh, with Rangers, uh, my dad was a semi-professional player, um, and he actually wrote a letter to uh, Stan Anderson, who was the assistant manager at Rangers at the time. Yeah, and um, he played with Stan, and he just said to Stan, "Look, my son's uh, a very good player in Australia. He's uh, played for the Australian." national team, Australian youth team. He's growing up. He's very fast. He's, uh, you know, he's professional. <clears throat> he wants to be a professional player and that's been his long uh, boyhood dream. And I think he's good enough, Stan. Uh, would you, would you uh, give him a look at, you know, a trial or whatever if, uh, and speak to the manager? So back in those days, there was no emails and text messages. It was by, you know, snail mail. <laughs> so, uh, a letter came back with the Rangers letterhead saying that, uh, listen, uh, Dave would be happy to have you as a trial if you could make your way over to Glasgow Rangers for the pre-season uh, commencement in July. Uh, we'll have a look at you and, uh, you know, all your reimbursements will be paid back to you, yeah. which was fantastic for someone going on a trial. Of course. But, um, but I'd made it at quite a good level in Australia. <coughs> Excuse me. And there was a, a lot of clippings that my dad had sent in the letter. So they could actually track me and, and find out mm. about me. So uh, I went over there and uh, I had a trial for about three months. And it was probably the worst winter they've had for ages. Right? <laughs> um, and unfortunately, the club I was with in Australia, um, Adelaide City at the time, wanted a lot of big transfer fee. It was like $100,000 at the time or $150,000. Right. And John Gregg said to me... Um, he said, son, look, I can get a good player here for that, right? And, you know, we, we like what we're seeing you, but we haven't seen you enough because we couldn't train. It was all the pitches were frozen for three months. So anyway, um, it was a bad time when I, when I went there because I couldn't go any earlier because of the season in Australia had, hadn't finished. Oh, okay. So and back in those days, it was a scenario when, when your contract, even when it was finished, clubs could ask a transfer fee for you. And that was before the Bosman ruling. Of course. So anyway, I, I came back to Australia and then I was pretty upset that the club had sort of stood my way that way. And then I asked for a transfer and I went to Sydney City, Hakoa, 
um, where uh, Eddie Thompson, the former Aberdeen player and Hearts player, had been uh, had played, and he was coaching. And before I signed, it was, it was an Australian transfer record at the time of uh, 35,000 Australian dollars. And I said to him that, look, at the end of the year, we win the, the, the <clears throat> sorry, I said at the end of the year, I'd like to go back and, and train with Rangers again for a trial um, to see if I could make it as a professional. And obviously, Eddie Thompson was the national team coach and he was Sydney City coach. He said, look, son, I wouldn't hate to stand in anyone's way. I'd grant you that, but first we're going to win the league here first. And uh, Sydney City were a very good side and there was, you know, one of three, four teams that could win the league. So, uh, and I made an agreement with the owner at the time, who is a guy called uh, Frank Lowy, who owns, owns uh, Westfield Shopping Centres. Okay. And he, uh, he said, look, son, yep, we'll let you go, but we have, you know, you'd have to pay the $30,000 or $35,000 that we paid for your transfer fee back. Jesus. Well, anyway, long story short, we won the league that year and I'm setting off to go back um, for Rangers for a trial. But I paid $30,000, which was every cent I had, to go for a trial back to the club. So I became a free player. So no one could ever hold me to ransom to say yeah, that, uh, that, you know, you, we want you to uh, not to go. We want a big transfer fee. So I could, my own destiny was in my hands, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, well, I sort of knew that if, if it didn't work out, that if I came back to Australia, you know, I was, I'd done well enough. A lot of clubs would probably either pay the money back or close to it, mm. you know, if I came back. So uh, anyway, so long story short, after two months, John Craig came up and said to me, listen, son, we're going to give you a game this weekend and uh, we're going to see how you are with the first team because at the time I'd been playing with the reserves. And, uh, and after that, we'll make a decision. But just before I go into that, it's unbelievable. As I said, I spent every cent I had. Uh, and you could never do this these days. But because I was skint and had to get back, I bought uh, a ticket off a, a Pom, who was actually coming over to Australia. And he was staying in Australia. or He was jumping ship staying there. I bought his return ticket back. But what I had to do... Because I didn't have any money left. It was like about $1,000 for the ticket. I've had to pay 400 off him. He had to come to the airport, give me his passport. He put his bags on there, put his passport there and checked in for me. And then I ended up with his passport. I went through my, in my passport. But if anyone ever pulled me up, I had his passport. You could never do it these days, but that's oh. what actually happened. It, he was a tourist in Australia and I bought his return ticket. So that's how skint I was because I paid, spent all that money and... It was about 20,000 quid at the time. That's what, how old was you at that point? Must have been young. I was uh, 21. Jesus. You don't want to have 30 yeah. grand in the bank in the first place. Well, that was through part of the transfer fee and I'd uh, saved up quite a bit, you know. And, um, you know, I was playing football from a young age and, and getting paid actually in Australia. So, and, and playing for the national team. So we're in camps a lot. So I sort of saved and I borrowed a little bit off my dad as well. So You must have had confidence in your own ability to put everything, everything you had into it. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. So, so going back to the story where after that game, I uh, had a fantastic game and it was my debut and it was Ali McCoy's um, first game that he'd scored. So he set me up in the first two minutes. I'd scored within two minutes of playing with Rangers' first team. Brilliant. We're playing Queen of the South. And then, uh, and then I set Alistair up, Ali McCoy's up. So he scored uh, his first goal for Rangers as well as I did. So, and then the next week, um, during that week, they signed me. And it's a nice little story when uh, John Gregg, who was my dad's idol, 
mm. uh, at the time. And, you know, before we were signing a contract, he said, son, we're going to sign you for Glasgow Rangers. And I said, look, can you send, send a, or can you phone my dad up in Australia? So he phoned my dad up in Australia. And John Gregg said to him, Jimmy, we're going to sign your son for Glasgow Rangers. And uh, I could hear my dad crying on the other end of the phone, you know. Oh, brilliant. Because uh, what he'd done. So just, it was a big thing with dad's idol phoning him up, telling him, I'm going to sign your son, you know. There was no uh, Sky Sports news or anything like that, was there? So that's probably the oh, first no. indication he had that you'd done well. That's right. So you got the phone call and that was it. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was a big thing. So, And then the following week, that week there, that week I signed, uh, we ended up, I made my debut with... Uh, against Celtic at uh, Celtic Park, you what know, in front like? of 60,000. That was, yeah, it was unbelievable, you know. So uh, so there was myself, Ali McCoist, and uh, I think Willie McStay was uh, playing at the time. That, they all made the debut at the same time. Anyway, so then I, I went on to play for Rangers. And, you know, I did quite well there. I was in and out of the team. At that particular game, I got man of the match, so that was great. So, But in, in it was... Uh, it's getting used to professional football, obviously, and I was in and out of the team. And then the next year, I started quite well. And then John Gregg got sacked. Then Jock Wallace came in. Jock Wallace played all the players, and I was in and out again. And I didn't really establish myself uh, as well as I would. Mm. Uh, I would have liked to, but uh, but still, I made a, I made a I made a contribution. I won a, a cup final there, and. And then I decided I wanted to leave because in my contract, I put in there that I could go back to Australia as a free player so that Rangers couldn't ask a transfer fee. Right, okay. So in between all that, rather than blabbing on a bit, I went to Hong Kong for three months because I couldn't go back to Australia because I came back to that. I would have signed, had to sign for that club again, right, Sydney, okay. Sydney City. So I had a, a three-year period. Yeah, if I went back there, I would have had to go back to that club. So anyway... Um, and then we had the World Cup qualifying uh, qualifications. And ironically, I ended up playing against Scotland for Australia against Scotland <laughs> in a World Cup qualifying. And I'm back at Hamden four months from when I, was at, I won the Cup final back there playing against Scotland for Australia. So it was weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after um, that, mate, so you went to Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, sorry, you went to Eintracht Frankfurt, if I can say it. Final yeah. as well in Holland. Was it always, you know, your, your ambition to be a world-travelled striker or did just those opportunities just arise? Well, what it was, in, um, in the UK at the time, I, uh, when I grew up in Australia, there was, it's quite an ethnic sport. So there's a lot of Italians, a lot of Croatians, a lot of Greeks, mm. um, you know, Australians playing the game. But it was uh, very focused on ethnic-based and they all like to play like football. So it was a different type of football. And I was used to that because Adelaide City, like they were called Adelaide City Juventus, a lot of Italian back club. And I always wanted to play my, my goal was always to play in Italy because at the time that was the pinnacle of uh, world football, the right. Italian league at the time. Okay. And uh, the scenario was when Germany came in, uh, Bundesliga was a fantastic league. And I said, and, and, the professionalism of Germany was unbelievable, Dan. It was um, just the way they looked after you. You know, they, uh, they, they give you vitamin tablets, magnesium, potassium. They give you B, uh, is it, uh, B12 shots. Um, you know, the physical, pardon? the physical attributes of what they did in Germany, they were so far advanced. And, and then I hear that Klopp is actually testing the players and he... he, he <clears throat> gets a blood sample from the ears. We were doing that back in 1985 in, in, in Germany. 
Jesus. And that's there when you do a run, then they test your blood and it gives you a reading of your blood, the oxygen levels in your blood, so you can actually tell how fit you were. Okay. So, um, so just the advancement of Germany and then, you know, yeah. driving the autobahns, being in a big Merck who'd sponsored the club at the time. It was like, wow, you know, fantastic. And yeah. just the way you got looked after was, was sensational, you know. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I did get a groin problem and I had some problems with my groin. So I had to get an operation and that sort of impaired me later on in my life. Right, so, okay. So you, um, you, never, you never actually got to Italy, I believe, but mate, you had a fantastic career. You signed from Millwall. Uh, for me in 1993 from, I want to get it right, Altay Izmir, a Turkish side. Yeah, so again, what had happened is that uh, we were with Swindon and we just won promotion yeah. that year, the year before with Glenn Hoddle. Glenn and Hoddle we had a fantastic team. You know, we, uh, but the problem then, Dan, is clubs at the time, it was the, the Premier League, it was the second year, I think, of the, of the playoffs. The Premier League had just started the year before. Yes, right, yeah. So what had happened is that, obviously, the, the Bosman ruling hadn't come in either. So the contracts had ended, were ending that year, and the club hadn't offered any contracts because their dilemma was, well, they're in the playoffs, they're coming to the end of the contract, they weren't sure whether to offer you a Premier League contract or a championship contract. And all the players were, you know, holding back a little bit as well, saying, well, we want to get a Premier League contract rather than a, a championship contract. So oh, it, was, it was a bit of a dilemma. Um, and there was a big bonus for qualifying as well. So, you know, what ended up happening, subsequently the, the club said, right, okay, we'll want to wait and see where we are first. Uh, and then we'll come out with all the contracts. But unfortunately for the club, everyone had been snipered. Everyone had been tapped up. So um, going into the Premier League, we didn't think it was going to be as big as it has been. Mm. Um, and it was like a scenario where I was trying to look at the financial situation for my, my family, really, to go back. Like I said, my, my leg was, had given me problems at the past uh, with my groin. I had three operations on it at the time. Right. So uh, it was a decision where, well, the club could only, you know, couldn't offer me a contract. I was offered uh, to go to Istanbul, actually, at first. Um, to one of the bigger clubs and that fell through at the last minute and it was a big contract that was all net money and it was on my way home back, go there for two years and back to Australia. Uh, but unfortunately, when I got there, they'd signed an Argentinian striker. Right. And then that, uh, that sort of, that was disappointing because it was, it was going to be a good club I, I was going to and uh, it was uh, Besiktas. So, that didn't happen. And then the agent came back and said, listen, there's another scenario here that uh, Altair will come in. They'll give you the same money, same this, same everything. And I thought, okay, well, uh, all right, I'll take it. But I was the first Westerner they've ever had. Right. So going to Turkey at the time, Izmir, it was 43 degrees heat in the, in the summer. Yeah, unbelievable. So uh, anyway, uh, after two months, you could see it wasn't going to happen. And then, I came back to, uh, after three months, I came back to the UK. Uh, John Goldman wanted me to come back to Swindon. But there was this rule, because I was training with Swindon at the time. There was this rule that uh, the club couldn't sign a player back again uh, within a year if you had left. Because there was a few dodges going on or whatever. And <laughs> so the scenario was that was an FA rule. So Swindon couldn't sign me again. 
So anyway, I was training with Swindon and nothing was happening. And then uh, all of a sudden it went on Telefax or CFAX that uh, Dave Mitchell has returned from Altide and he's a free player and he's this, that and the other. And then all of a sudden a lot of notice came in and yeah. there was uh, Southampton came in, there was QPR came in, Glasgow Rangers came in, Glasgow Celtic came in, Millwall came in. So of all the clubs that were coming in, it was like, what's, what's going on? So it was like, uh, long story short, with uh, Celtic had come in for me and obviously playing with Rangers at the time beforehand, um, it was a big decision to go to Celtic because, you know, the fans uh, can be quite ruthless up there as well, you know. Yeah. And it, uh, it hadn't, it only happened two times before, twice before it happened. A player going for, and that was before Mo Johnson went there. So it was before all that. So, it, you know, and again, it was, uh, Graham Soonis was there and Walter Smith was there. Anyway, I got a call from uh, Walter Smith to say that, look, we would like you to go to Rangers. So, so I had Rangers and Celtic chasing me at the time, right. as, well, as well as Millwall. And at the time, um, Liam Brady was at uh, Celtic and he said, son, I want the deal to go through. We'll be back in touch tomorrow and we'll finalise everything, right? So I uh, said, okay. And I phoned my dad up, told him about Celtic so he didn't hear it and anyone else. I was going to say, what, just, what was your dad's response to you about Celtic? <laughs> yeah, he was a blue man through and through. But he said, son, he said, they're a great club. Go and sign with them. It's, you know, if they're offering you a contract for your livelihood and, and that's great. They're a great club. So go and sign with them. So, um, so that was good. And then uh, what happened, uh, Celtic played a game that night and lost. So I didn't hear back the next day. I didn't hear back the next day. And then all of a sudden, uh, Liam Brady was sacked. Oh, so, and then I get a phone call and his assistant was Joe Jordan. So Joe Jordan gets on the phone. He goes, son, I want you to still uh, come 99%. I'm getting the job. And he said, but I want you and you remind me of myself, son. So that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever had, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he said, son, you remind me of myself. Joe Jordan was a, a great legend of uh, Scottish football and at Leeds and Man United, obviously. So um, two days later, then boom, he didn't get the job. So, uh, and that, that's when um, Mick, um, Macari got the job. So, so that fell through. And then, uh, you know, then I had uh, Barry Silkman badgering me on the phone to try to come to Millwall. He goes, come on, we'll come to Millwall. And Who was that, Barry Silkman? Barry Silkman, yeah. Who was that? He was an agent, right? He was right, an right. agent at the time that looked after a lot of players. He, uh, Reg Burr was the, the, the chairman at the time. Okay, yeah. And he knew Reg quite well, and that's how I ended up going there. But he was doing the deal. Anyway, Mick McCarthy got on the phone, and Mick was a, Mick's a gem, really. You know, he's straight forthright. He goes, oh, Mitch, I said, I'd like you to come. You battered me. When I played you, I've still got the bruises now, and you didn't give me, you know. And again, Mick was, you know, he was buttoning me up, obviously, but he was just saying, Mick, I hate playing against you, and I know defenders don't like playing against you. I want you to come to Millwall. We can match any club, you know, we, we've... That uh, it's on the table for you, and I thought, well, that's a big shout. But anyway, Rangers had come in as well, but they only wanted me for three months. Okay. So it was a three-month contract at Rangers with a chance to maybe be at Rangers, and that's when Rangers were big at the time. And it was it was a scenario where Southampton sort of dwindled a little bit because their manager was under the under the pump. And I just like what Mick was saying. He said, "Come to the den, come work with me. Uh, I've got a fantastic assistant." Um, and uh, it's a new stadium. The crowd will love you the way you play and everything else. And 
you know, at the end of the day, he just convinced me that it was the right place to come at the right time. And uh, it was, it was fantastic. You know, uh, we've got fond memories when we came to Millwall and, uh, and it's a couple of funny stories that I could tell you if I don't take too long telling no, my career. You've got as much time as you like, mate. Don't worry about that. But, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it was a great, came, come to the Millwall and it was fantastic. The den was great. The fans liked me and, uh, you know, I give everything the game and uh, I think they realised that. Uh, and it was funny, being at Swindon, you weren't sort of appreciated as much, the fans, although you did well. And I was a guy that scored, but I set up a lot of goals for other people as well. Yeah. Um, and I think in Swindon, they didn't appreciate that so much. But anyway, there was a lot of good players at Swindon at the time as well. But we tended to play a lot of good football and then we run out of steam a little bit, you know, overplay sometimes and then we get caught in the counter-attack. Yeah. Whereas um, was Millwall probably suited my game a little bit borrow, a little bit more direct and and uh, we've got a lot of good crosses coming in from Mr. Cunningham and, and Jason Van Blurk and, and the like. So, uh, yeah, so it was a, a special time, Millwall, when I was there. It was, uh, just, it was unfortunate we didn't make it to the, the, the Premier League, but we had a team that was good enough to, to, to get there. Yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, let's get on to the 93-94 season. Here's your first season as a Millwall player. I think you joined around October time, if I'm not mistaken. You played 29 games and you scored nine goals in your first season. Was your debut, I have looked this up, was it a 4-0 loss at Bolton? Do you remember? I came on as a sub then, I think, yeah. yeah um, I, came, I came on, I did, was it 4-0? Oh, I can't remember that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I came on as a sub to what, that game, one of the games, yeah. That was my first one. Then the next one was at home, yeah. What were your first That's impressions right. of, you know, your teammates? Did you get, did you get on well with the boys? Yeah, yeah. No, look, I mean... Uh, there was a good mixture, and I, and I think there was a lot of good young boys there, which uh, Mick had brought in. Um, and obviously, Keith Stevens was a uh, was a captain, and Old Rhino was uh, the Pied Piper. Um, very good leader, good lad, and yeah, it was great to be amongst them, you know. And we had a couple of other boys that were older but were injured and weren't playing regularly. If they could have got them on the park as well with the experience for the young players, it would have been, you know, it would have been even better. Yeah. Well, so you joined, I think, around October. Then we, we sort of kick on after Christmas. I mean, a bit of a purple patch. You end up scoring towards the end of the season six goals in six games, which steers us towards the playoffs. Um, I spoke to you over email. I was actually ball boy for one of those games. Uh, one nil win at Grimsby. You scored an header at the Coldblow Lane. And then you run the That's other right, direction yeah. to where I was. I thought I was going to get on the camera. But I didn't, it didn't happen. It wasn't to be. But, um, yeah, you, you sort of found your feet well and scored six in six. That's... Um, was that, was that your first experience of playing in the championship then, at that, at that point? Uh, no, no, because I played uh, oh, also with Swindon. Of course, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so for the two years prior to that. Um, but yeah, no, so uh, it was, we, we'd won the playoffs as well at Swindon, obviously. We came, I think we came fifth uh, that time and, and played Leicester in the final. Uh, we beat them 4-3. But, uh, but, yeah, no, so getting the playoffs was, was great. I think we came third that year, I think. Yeah, we did, yeah, we came third, yeah. Right? And we just sort of pipped out. I think when we played Forest at the Den, we knew we had to beat them because they were a point ahead of us and we were both in good form. And, yeah, we were, I, think we, I think we scored first and uh, I think they went and equalised. But uh, I think we drew one all or 2-2, two, two, I can't remember. But we, I remember that game, we, that was the pinnacle because... They knew that uh, they were a point ahead and we couldn't catch them and there was about five or six games left. So mm. that sort of, I think that sort of killed us, uh, that game. Yeah, so uh, 
one of the, I think one of those games you talked about uh, was one one nil at Wolves as well when we played Wolves at home. Yep. And it's a funny story that uh, I'll tell you about. When I came back to Australia, I actually ended up coaching. Uh, and I was coaching in the A-League here, which is the Premier League here, the top league. And I was in, at Perth Glory. So from Sydney to Perth is like from London to Turkey. That's how far it is. <laughs> and we're playing in the same league, right? So it's unbelievable, the distance traveled. And so I was away in Perth which is the Western Australia and Sydney's over the Eastern coast. So it was like, it's a four or five hour flight. Wow. And anyway, so I'm over there and I'm stayed there myself and I'm having lunch with uh, some people in the, in the city and in Australia that not many people would recognize you from, from the past, but this guy, uh, this guy sort of knew I was there. I played with Millwall and I was at the club. And anyway, so I'm having lunch with some people in the city and this guy comes up and he goes, are you Dave Mitchell? Are you Dave Mitchell? And I, and I said, oh yeah, yeah, it's why. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, mate. I just want to thank you. Let me buy you lunch. I didn't even know the guy. <laughs> and I said, oh, I said, who are you? I mean, I said, look, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he, he, uh, he said, mate, I'm a promoter here in Western Australia. Any tickets you want to come to our, our concerts? And he brought out Black Eyed Peas and Fergie and he brought out um, Sting. So he brought some really big bands out. He was a big promoter of <laughs> West Australia. So and I said, oh, that's, that's great. I said, well, how do you know me? Oh, what happened there? You, made, you saved my life. <laughs> I'm looking at him. I said, mate, I don't even know you. How does I save your life? He goes, well, mate, he said, I was over trying to get some, uh, doing promotions of uh, some bands in England. And I was trying to get them over to come to uh, Western Australia in Australia. And we were trying to get Led Zeppelin. I negotiating with Led Zeppelin band and uh, they were all in London at the time. And we'd flown into London to especially do this uh, business meeting. And uh, Robert Plant, obviously, is uh, Wolves biggest fan. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't know. Rob, Rob, <laughs> yeah, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> He's their massive fan, so he's their... Uh, anyway, and so they all went to the game to watch us versus Wolf, Millwall versus Wolves. Right. Uh, Robert Plant didn't go, but all the entourage went, and this guy went as part of that group. And they were coming out, he said, we're coming out from Millwall, and you'd scored the goal, 1-0, to beat Wolves 1-0, and Graham Taylor was the manager, and I've got the... And we were walking back out the way and we got caught and this gang of Millwall guys up come up because oh you go, where are you fucking you going? Well, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so, so uh, they cornered these guys and they were like, didn't know what to do. And they went, Where are you from then? Where are you from then? This gang. And the guy goes, Oh, we're from Australia. He goes, Oh yeah. And the guy was quick, he thought in his feet, he goes, Oh mate, I'm from Australia. I come over to see Dave Mitchell. He scored a goal again, they won today, and the guy goes, oh yeah, Mitch, you're a friend of Mitch's, yeah? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, all right, mate, no problems, you know? <laughs> he walked away and he went, school, you know? <laughs> he said, so I ever thought I met you, mate? He says, I'll buy you lunch, no problems, you know? Yeah, definitely, why not, mate? So, uh, incredible that someone like that, but yeah, he was, uh, he just went down the wrong street, right? He went a big car park at the back, but they they got, they're running late and they couldn't get in or something. But man. Yeah. I remember actually saying, talking about Wolves as well. My brother took me on Boxing Day. You scored away at Wolves. We drew 1-1. Cool. 
corner, front flick on, and then you come in and edit it in. That's just a memory that just popped into my head there. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. From another time. But um, let's talk about the playoffs then. We get Derby, we finish third, they finish sixth. Um, and it doesn't go to plan <laughs> over either leg, really. Um, I'm just looking at our team there for the, for the second leg Keller, Cunningham, Huxford, um, Pat Vanden Howe and Keith Stevens, centre, centre back, Terry Herlock just in front of them, Alex Ray, Malcolm Allen, Greg Berry. Jamie Morley and yourself. It's a good side, mate. A good, strong, experienced side as well. Yeah, look, I think we lost the game. We, we'd lost the tie uh, away, really, mm. the, the first game. Um, again, Mick, um, I, Mick, I think Mick put his hand up and said, look, it was my fault the way we lined up because I think he went with a back three. Yeah. Uh, back three, it ended up becoming like a back five, so they pushed you on. And so it was a funny, and we hadn't sort of worked on it enough and, that might be, you know, if Mick looks back on it, um, a little bit of inexperience from his point yeah. of uh, maybe going there, being ultra cautious and, and sort of getting, getting penalised, you know, for them banging in a couple of goals and losing the tie there, really. Um, and then coming back, it was a mountain to crime and we thought we could maybe do it. We nicked an early goal, but uh, it wasn't a B. They, they scored, you know, so... Um, and I think that's probably, when you look at that, that's, you know, uh, from a coaching point of view, um, you know, do you want to be in the front foot? Do you want to be in the back foot? And no matter whatever you do, if it's wrong, if you don't win, it's wrong. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's have, a wonderful thing. Exactly. So Mick could have turned around and said, let's go for the... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. These guys, let's have a real go at them. And then we caught a cup the same and everyone said, oh, why don't you defend, you know? So 
again, uh, no matter what, if you don't, if, as a manager, manager, if you don't get the right result and you've changed things, you get the blame no matter what. Mm, of course. There were some, some big characters in that side. Let's talk about a few of them. We've had so many stories. Everyone seems to have a Pat Van Den Howe story. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, actually, Pat was a good guy. He was, he was a nice, quiet guy, funny enough. You know what I mean? I mean, I've got uh, no stories to tell as such because I used to get out and then just shut home because uh, I was under orders, right? So, <laughs> have too many drinks. Um, yeah, I know. Look, uh, there was a lot of characters, you know. Mm. Terry Hurlock, what a guy, you know. He's uh, Millwall through and through, you know. So, it's, yeah, so, so a great, just a great period at that time and uh, really enjoyable. So, I mean, some of the stories, yeah, you could, oh, you could come and say a couple, but not, it's not really. It's, it was all fun and games, right? You know? yeah, let's just leave, yeah, let's leave it at that. Uh, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about, I mean, as we've already discussed, he was a very, very well-travelled player by this point. You'd probably seen a lot of things, especially playing in Turkey and, and stuff like that. The night, obviously, we lost at the den, the absolute chaos that ensued after that. What, what was the feeling around the dressing room at that point? Well, yeah, we were, we sort of were lock, locked in a little bit. And then, because um, what had happened is that, obviously, the, the fans were, you know, rioting a little bit. And then it was sad because we were in the dressing room. And then when we got out the dressing room, we, we were escorted up to the, the room uh, players' lounge, and we were locked in there a little bit until all quiet down, really. So we came out, and we saw some cars turned upside down. The Derbyshire car, and the guy was a reporter, and he had to go up. My wife, he said, "How could you support? How could you play for a club like this?" Oh, you know, really? my wife said, "Look, we're sorry, you know, but it's it's not the majority of the fans. The fans here are good." And my wife, uh, you know, she's she's a diamond, right? And she she loved the Millwall fans. And that um, she goes for their passion, right? And that's where they come from. They just love the club. But, you know, as what happens, somebody starts something else, somebody else joins in and it just unravels, you know? And unfortunately, that, that's what happened that night, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, there's instances in the stand where, you know, my wife was there with the kids and you'll have a Millwall fan shouting at the referee, oh, and, and so, shouting all sorts of scenarios and, and, and abuse and, verbal forward words at the, the referee. You know, my wife would turn around and say, excuse me, we've got kids here. And the guy would go turn around and say, oh, sorry, love. Sorry. You know, it's like, it's just like uh, nice, meek and calm, you know. But yeah, it's, it's uh, like it was, it is what it is. And that's unfortunate part. You know, there's a couple of naughty fans and they, uh, they didn't like the result and everyone just joined in, I think. It was one of those scenarios. Yeah, yeah, it snowballed definitely out of control. Um, that's the end of that season. A, a brilliant season, obviously, with a little bit of a cloud over it. But going to the 94-95 season, you play 31 times, scoring eight goals. That's, that's not a bad return at all, considering we, we finished 13th that season. Obviously, a disappointing league finish, but it will always be remembered for the um, FA Cup run, the historic FA Cup run of that season. Funny enough, you probably haven't seen you wouldn't have seen it. We interviewed Jason Van Blurt last week. And he was calling you Agent Dave Mitchell because he said you was responsible for getting him, getting him a trial to, at the club. Yeah, well, look, yeah, I think I think I I sort of look. I just went to when he asked me if I could help him. I think he uh, he played over in Holland and and Jason. We we were together with the national team, mm. and Jason was a good player. He was had a good sweet left foot, you know, and uh, he could stick the foot in, and he could he, he could run all day, and he. Had, you know, uh, yeah, so 
I had no problems uh, promoting him to Mick to say, look, he's really worth a look at, Mick. And and, uh, and Mick, you know, if he, if he gets a, a strong enough opinion and he believes in the person, then he go, all right, we'll have a look at him. And mm. uh, I also, I think I got in touch with Barry Silkman because I said to Barry, look, there's another player here. He's played for the national team and he's a good player. So I don't know if you could, you know, swing anything for him, but he'd be worth, he'd be worth signing, you know, for sure. You know, if we can get him. Um, and of course, I think Mick has got a bit of Scottish blood in him. He's always in for a bargain. So he's getting a, he was getting a lot of uh, Irish young players and he had a good network of some Irish players he could get for free and not much money and he could still, you know, that was Mick's, he was very good at that where uh, there wasn't much money to be had. He could actually build a team and get some good players and I think throughout his whole career, Mick's always had uh, not so many pennies to spend and, mm. and, and done very well and had a great career from it, you know. Yeah, but, uh, funny you should say that. You know, no fewer than 39 probes used that season. And striker-wise, you had, you had a lot of competition. Clive Allen, Richard Cadet, Kerry Dixon, Alistair Edwards. Jesus, remember him. Uh, John Goodman, obviously, who ended up leaving the club eventually for uh, Wimbledon. Uh, John Kerr, David Oldfield. I'm sure he was a striker as well. Blonde fella from Leicester. And obviously, right. young Scott Taylor. A striker, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I remember that season. I mean, I didn't start that season off too well because I ended up getting a sore back. I had a bit of a back problem. Right. And I, got, I, got need, I remember getting need in the back. Um, well, the keeper challenged me. Uh, and then that, that just, it was about six, seven weeks. It was nagging me. It was like, I couldn't get rid of it. And I tried to play on with it and it just uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't, you know, it wasn't good. Um, but yeah, no, look, I mean, I think Kerry came just when I had just left, I think. Um, okay. And I think uh, Clive Allen had come and Clive was good. And uh, Clive was good, but he, he, obviously for all the goals he scored at Tottenham, he, he just couldn't score for us. And he was getting a lot of good positions and he was, he was sort of getting a bit anxious. And, uh, you know, the crowd were getting on his back a little bit with that. But, yeah, for, for some reason he just couldn't score for us. But, he, you know, superb player and great uh, holding the ball up and his positional play and, uh, and a good lad as well, you know. Yeah, Alistair, was, uh, Alistair Edwards. He was he, he was Australian, wasn't he? Yeah, Alistair's uh, sort of Australia, sort of Scottish background as well. I think he was two when he went to Australia, grew up, and uh, Alistair played in Malaysia a few years and did very well, successful, and, mm. uh, and then sort of came over. I don't know how he got to Millwall. That was nothing to do with me. I don't know how he got there, but <laughs> he ended up getting there. And uh, yeah, he was Alistair was not not a bad player. Who did you play like the majority of your 31 games up as, as a strike partner with then in that year? Do you remember? Well, it was, uh, John Goodman, I think. Johnny Goodman, John yeah. John Goodman uh, and uh, Jamie Morley was the other one. Yeah. Uh, John Kerr played a few times as well. Uh, another another player with a Scottish passport, I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, his, his dad was uh, Scottish and he went to uh, wrong side of the fence though. But, he's, uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he uh, <clears throat> they went to America and John was... Uh, from Scottish ancestry, yeah, because yeah. a good Scottish name, and yeah, he played over in America, and then John came back, and yeah, he, um, yeah, he was a good lad, John. I still keep in touch with John now by emails. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, just want to talk about John Goodman. We've had him on the show. Lightning quick, brilliant young talent, wasn't he? What was he like to play with, Johnny Goodboy? Yeah, good. Johnny was good. I mean, uh, you know, if we could get in a situation where we could actually slide balls through for John, you know, and use his pace, where yeah. you know he would be hard to he'd be hard to catch and. You know, that's where John's asset was. And, uh, you know, he would, he would get stuck in as well. So he was a good lad, John. Yeah. Uh, a lot of time for John. Um, and, he, and he did a shift as well. You know, that's, that was the thing. I think 
all the players at the time, uh, Alex Ray was a character and he was another one. Um, you know, we had we're such a good team from, from uh, I don't know the finances, but I, I know it was difficult to, to sign players, but Mick did a good job with uh, what he had, you know. Mm, definitely. All definitely. good players. So this season, as I said earlier, would always be remembered for the historic FA Cup run. Um, you played, a, you didn't score in that cup run, but you played a key part in it. Um, Arsenal at home was the first game, round three. Would you- yeah, I remember that well. Um, I always remember that when a ball came across, I think uh, it came in from the, was it might have been the left side, might have been Jason, and I got a good header onto it. It looked like it was going in, but uh, Seaman just got to it and touched it around the post. The third round of the FA Cup brought Arsenal and former boss George Graham back to the new den. It was a repeat of the previous season's fixture, which resulted in a controversial win for the Gunners. On this occasion, the Lions came close to springing a surprise. Um, and that was that. And then uh, that was nil-nil. So it was like a great atmosphere again. Uh, and then we went to Arsenal and we, we turned them over there. So it was, uh, and, and again, you know, Mick just might have been, you know, um, from learning from the past experience that uh, what had happened in the playoffs, we sort of went too defensive and he thought, well, let's have a go at these guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then having a go at them, uh, we ended up, we did really well. We we won two 0 It was fantastic. And my wife was in the 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 end, the Millwall end, and she said it was fantastic. It was great. She'll always remember it. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant night, mate. I, I was I was actually there as well that night as a young fourteen year old. Mark Beard gets the first goal. Um, one one of the, a good core of youngsters that that came through at that point, along with Ben Thatcher and and Mark Kennedy, got the other the other goal. What was that? What was they like? Was they a pain in your ass, them youngsters in the dressing room? Well, they, they were good. Play up? <laughs> they were good lads. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you know, no, they were they were good lads. Um, Kennedy was good. He was he was uh, had that natural sway about him, and he had a good left foot, had a good shot on him, and uh, he, uh, you know, he had a bit of a jink to get past people. So yeah, he uh, he's a good player. Mm. And um, sorry, who scored the other one? Who was it? Mark, Beard. Part, Mark Beard got the first Mark one. Beard, Beard, Mark Beard, he was good. He was a character as well, you know. So yeah. it was Jack the lad. Ben Fetcher, he was another one. He was uh, getting involved in the England youth team, but Ben was good. Good lad. Yeah, yeah. they're all good. I had, a, I had good memories. And I think I was one of the older statements at the time coming into the, the club. And I think uh, I think Mink mentioned it to me once. He goes, Mitch, you walking into the club, everyone, you just give the whole club a lift at that time. You know, it was great. Mm. And you know, that was a big compliment from Mick to say that for me because uh, he said that, you know, you walking in it meant something to all the players. that Oh, we've got someone that can you know, get stuck in and, and, and create goals and score goals, you know. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah. that was a big compliment from him. Brilliant. And then obviously, yeah, we win we win at Highbury that night, 2-0. And we face another London derby in round four at home to Chelsea. That was 0-0. That was carnage as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I was at Chelsea for a period. But that's <laughs> I had, uh, I, as I said before, I had three groin operations. So uh, me playing over at Holland... Uh, my, what, some of my last games were I played uh, against PSV Eindhoven who were the European champions at the time and scored two goals hit the crossbar and ran right and uh, got man of the match and uh, raves and then uh, when I was at Chelsea I, I got injured I went to the Olympics for the, uh, the Australian national team and then the, the, 
the new new manager wanted to get an old Dutch player in that he brought in one of his old guys, and uh, so it was a bit of a problem for me. So then I said, right, okay, I'll go to Chelsea. But again, I went in January, and Chelsea weren't the club they are now, so mm. it was it was quite difficult. They you know they were run quite poorly, I must say, uh, and they, they had no. Well, a lot of clubs are probably, apart from the big five or six clubs, you know, Chelsea would like to be a big club, but at the time they weren't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they didn't have any support for players. I had injuries. Uh, I had three groin operations. And it was just a bad time for me. And then when Glenn came to, to Chelsea, we were playing the reserves together. And I was just getting through another operation. And uh, he could see the talent I had. He said, look, if I get the job done this winning, I'll take you down there with me, you know. Brilliant. And even that was, a, I wasn't sure about that to go down to Swindon because of where you'd played. You'd played at Eintracht Frankfurt, Glasgow Rangers. <laughs> um, you know, you'd been at some big clubs and, and going to Swindon was like, well, okay, right. So it was, uh, it was but because it was Glenn and John Gorman, I went there, you know, and it was, that was another good time that uh, I'm glad I went because it was a great experience. Yeah. So you, you face your old club, Chelsea, at the Den. Uh, was there a feeling on, on the back of what you just said, there was a bit of a point to prove against them, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Erlen, Erlen Johnson was uh, the player at the time. And I know Erlen well. Erlen was over at Bayern Munich uh, for a time. And Erlen and I were still good friends. Uh, still get Christmas cards from him. So, but he, he was a great guy. And it, but I really wanted to prove it. And he knew that as well. So, it was just unfortunate. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't sort of score against them at the den and win 1-0. And that was uh, Dave Mitchell sticking up <laughs> at the club, you know. But... It was, a, but it was a great game. And then when we went back to Chelsea, we thought, well, it's going to be tough here. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, we, uh, night, yeah, it was a great night. And then we won by penalties, you know. Um, so, uh, didn't fancy a penalty that night yourself, no? Pardon? Didn't fancy taking a penalty that night yourself? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> um, and it was a scenario when the, the fans came on, the Chelsea fans came on and invaded the pitch afterwards, right? So it was, uh, yeah. it was quite bad, actually. Yeah. And one took a swing at me, you know, so... Um, but anyway, that's, there you go. That's, that was... Uh... Yeah, so, so obviously we've had Casey Keller on very recently, Jason Van Blurk, so we've seen some clips. And, but yeah, as, as, you, as Casey Keller makes the winning save, you, him, and I think, he, uh, I can't remember how a player is, but you see, you actually go over, like just out of shot. You just, All right. One of the Chelsea fans obviously gives you a nudge from behind while you're not looking and uh, knocks you over. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then we turned around, and then the police were on with the horses, so mm -hmm. it was uh, trying to get everyone off, you know. So, yeah, um, but still, what they had, uh, you know, we had what about eight, nine thousand Millwall fans there, so I still fancied against the Chelsea fans. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong, mate. Not wrong. And then obviously, we, we get—I mean, it's a bit of an anticlimax, but we get knocked out against QPR. We were a Premiership side at the time; they're still a good side. But after this major scalps of Arsenal and Chelsea, you would have had high hopes going into that one at Loftus Road. Yeah, look, it was so late on as well. I think it was, it was a handball, but I think his hand got knocked up and he's, as he was jumping, his hand got knocked and then uh, the ball hit his hand, you know? So that was unfortunate. Um, and it was late on, I think, as well. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, about 85 minutes, I think, from memory. Yeah, and so there was no time to recover from it. And it was like, you know, there was no time to throw everything at them. And, yeah, that was unfortunate because I think they went to play Man United the next game. I think that was uh, that would have been uh, that would have been great as well. That would have been a, that would have been another great yeah. run. As I said, you know, it's sort of the season before we finish third and, and have a good push for the playoffs um, wasn't to be this season. I suppose there would have been a level of expectancy to make that happen again, but because of the cut run, 
sort of sidetracked us. We finished a, a sort of disappointing mid-table 13th in the championship, um, or which would now be the championship. So you score eight goals, you, you get a good scoring record. 60 games, 17 goals, not bad at all. Any goals that stand out for you as a middle player? Uh, well, yeah, prop. Not really. I mean, every goal, I think the first one I got, I think, uh, was a relief because I know from my point of view, I like, I'm more important. I'm not just about me scoring. It's more about the team as a whole. Definitely. And, you know, I'm not a striker. It's selfish enough to sort of say, right, okay. Uh, and maybe it's a bad thing for my career, but in essence, I would rather the team win than, than I score and we lose or we don't win. Yeah. Um, if someone's always in a better position, I always, always look to play that ball to pass to them so that they score and the, the team scores and we win the game. Um, and I'd set a lot of goals up for a lot of people. But um, So I was happy with my, my contribution at Millwall. And like I said, the, the second part, the second season, I got injured, impeded with the back a little bit, which, which impeded me a little bit more that uh, um, I wish I could have done a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think we had a few injuries and that, that sort of dogged us a little bit the second season. Mm. Really? After that second season, did you leave the club at the end of the second season there? 95, did you leave well, it? I left, I left before it um, because this offer came in from Malaysia. And Selangor, is that right? Selangor, the Selangor, team? Yeah, Selangor. And they're an unbelievable club as well. I mean, we used to have 80,000 people watchers. It's wow. unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're uh, their fan base. They had a, a, a the stadium held 90,000. It was unbelievable. Anyway, when, I that, when I saw you went to a team called Selangor in Malaysia, I just assumed... It was one of these sort of startup league things, you know what I mean, where they try and get some good pros from other countries over. But to say you played in front of eighty thousand, that must have been yeah. No, the, the stadium held uh, it was called the Shah Alam Stadium, and it held ninety thousand. And uh, we uh, we ended up winning the uh, the cup final there. Um, we won one nil extra time, and I scored a toe poke, and we won one nil. Um, and I was the first professional player that they had from British clubs. Yeah. And I was there for two years. Uh, and then uh, after me, they, they got Tony Cotty. Tony Cotty went out there. Wow. So, um, for, for, for younger people watching this, they may not think it's so strange that you played for so many different clubs across so many different continents. But I can tell the younger viewers watching, this wasn't the norm back in the day, was it? How did you have so many moves across so many? Did you have an agent or was you did bits yourself? I think what it was, Ben, they found out how bad I was and the club got rid of me every two years, you see? So that's... <laughs> They moved me on. Um, no, look, it was, uh, for me, like I said, I, it, we, I've been to Australia. We travelled all over Asia as an Australian youth mm. uh, player uh, and the national team player. We went to China. We played in Malaysia. We played in Singapore. We played in Thailand. So travelling in football was always a thing for me. And I always wanted to play in Europe. Uh, like I said, Italy was the, the pinnacle at the time. But uh, to go and play in Germany, to go and play in Holland, I learned languages so I could speak German, I could speak a bit of Dutch. Yeah. Uh, it just opens you worldly and, and you know, you meet a lot of people and, and how things are done. And it gives you a, a, just a great opinion. So I could meet someone in Australia from Germany or Holland, uh, from Glasgow, from Millwall, from Turkey. You know, you can have a bit of a conversation with them and yeah. it just, it's just, it's great. You know, it was, was, was yeah, it's great. It's absolutely fascinating. Like, brilliant. You, tra you travelled the world doing something you love. You said, obviously, you left before the end of the 94-95 season. How, you say, how did that come about, that opportunity? Did you have to go to Mick and say, look, I've had this offer. I want to, you know, maybe slip well, off. What happened? It come in. Yeah, something had come in. And 
again, uh, you know, my groin was a bit of a problem, but my ankle was starting to give me some problems, you know, and I just thought, look, I probably, and I wasn't, it was, it was a, a disappointing year for us, obviously. Um, obviously, I was thinking we would uh, go to Millwall. We came third that year. Hopefully, we'd get back into the Premier League, you know, and, uh, and that, that was the goal, but it didn't happen. And then my contract was finished at the end of that year, and it was like I could have played another couple of years there and signed on, but, uh, you know, my, my ankle was starting to hurt me a little bit because I've had an operation on my ankle. Yeah. And I just felt that uh, I didn't want to stick on at Millwall for another year and not be the player that I had been. Fair and, enough. you know, Mick might have left. There was a new manager come in. He wants to bring his own players in. So it's always a revolving door. And, and just that scenario where, you know, I really enjoyed it at Millwall. It was a great time. Uh, and I just felt that the offer that I had in Malaysia it was going to extend my career for a couple of more years and I was earning good money, probably more than I was at Millwall. So it was... Um, Bit of a no-brainer. Trying to financially secure your future because not like today, the money that players are on these days, it's mm -hmm. uh, unbelievable. But we, you know, we did well um, at, at my career and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. No, mate, brilliant. He was very, very uh, well thought of at Millwall. Never was that more evident than when I said you was coming on. The fans are absolutely buzzing for this one. So... Uh, a brilliant mill career. I always ask this question at the end, a standout memory or a funny dressing room story, if you've got any you could share with us. Oh, well, it's a standout memory. Um, oh, look, it just, it's, it's, when we, uh, you know, when, when we used to win a game, we'd come in and the guys used to sing songs in the dressing room. It's just that atmosphere was great. And, um, you know, I had uh, a sort of relative who was a Millwall fan, actually. And uh, just seeing him after the game, and he was uh, jumping for joy that uh, we'd won. Yeah, nothing really stand, sticks out in my mind. Uh, you know, I remember Mick coming in one game and, and saying, listen, you know, if you don't win this game, I'll probably get sacked. And we all pulled us together and, and uh, we ended up turning the game around and won the game, you know. And, and, then, and then we said, oh, no, we'll stick with, we're stuck with Mick again. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, How's that for but, pressure, boys? If you don't win this, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, Ian, Ian Evans uh, was a great manager as well, you know. Um, great coach. Yeah. Ian, uh, and he, he's always fit for a laugh as well. But, yeah. Um, just memorable memorable times. And, you know, I loved the Millwall fans. Um, we, we liked it there. And it was uh, very, very good. Very good time. Brilliant. If you could... Oh, I always ask this question at the very, very end as well. If you could go out tomorrow night. I said... I know you said you wasn't really a big drinker because the, the missus used to run you in. But... Uh, yeah. If you could go out tomorrow night, have a, have a meet up with three year old Millwall teammates, who would be the three? Well, it depends. If you want a party, you'd go out with uh, <laughs> you'd go out with Keith Stevens, Alex Ray, and uh, and Ben Thatcher. I think. That <laughs> <laughs> you go out if you want to have a party. You know, if you want to have a bit of a sensible talk, you go out with the Yankees. You know, you go out with Casey Keller, John Kerr, and Bruce Murray. I think. Uh, <laughs> so what, what night you want to have? <laughs> Dave, brilliant mate it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thanks so much for joining us oh, Ben, fantastic and uh, all my best wishes to Millwall and hopefully they can uh, get up this year uh, where they belong in the Premier League brilliant thanks a lot mate thanks mate bye bye 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.